0: Hey guys, hope you're doing well. Got another exciting episode of the podcast coming up for you. You're going to keep on with these NFL predictions. This time I'm going to be going with my picks for division winners all across the league. Can't wait to get into this part. Let's drop the beat so we can get started. Welcome back again. You are listening to the Mind of Mike J podcast. I apologize for being a little bit absent last week. Again, I try to get my episodes out as often as possible. And, you know, sometimes we're just not able to do that. But I didn't want to get slack and I wanted to make sure that I kept things going. Again, I have a hard time not being excited about football. So I apologize about all my topics actually I don't apologize that all my topics have been about football lately because that's just what, this is an exciting time it's America's true pastime it's hard to not be excited about it And, and rather than I wanted to do, I thought about doing one episode where I just made all my predictions at once and I thought, why not just break it down into smaller episodes so I could maybe not feel like I'm rushing or maybe not necessarily get everything in at once and try to cram a whole bunch of stuff into one segment. Anyway, because my attention span isn't that long, and I'm sure everyone else's isn't either. And if I went through every every single kind of prediction I wanted to make, it would take at least an hour and a half. So, that being said, let's go ahead and get into these division predictions. Uh, these are my predictions for the upcoming season, just as far as who is going to win each division and um, I probably will go into how the seating is going to work as well. But I do want to cover this really quickly. I basically broke this down into three categories. We have the easy picks. These are the divisions where I feel like the winner has already been predetermined and there's really not going to be. Unfortunately, if your favorite team is in this division I am guessing that your season is not going to be that exciting because unless you're a fan of the one team that I'm picking to win because there's these are just the divisions where I feel like it's it's gonna be no contest. Uh, then I have the two team race division. These are the ones that aren't quite as one-sided, but it's really gonna come down to between one or two teams and, Probably one's more favorited than the other, but there's another one that's going to make a serious run, and it'll just be interesting to see, and the other two teams are pretty much going to be a non-factor. Then there's the wide-open divisions, which is the third third and final category. Uh, Again, wide-open divisions. These are the ones where I feel like literally anyone in the division can win. You can make a legitimate case for pretty much anybody there, and... Feel free to agree or disagree, but these are just my thoughts. Uh, so, starting off, the easy picks. We're gonna go ahead and get these out the way. The two easy picks for division are the AFC East and the NFC West, and I am going with the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks, respectively. The AFC East should be pretty self-explanatory. The Pats are obviously they're the Super Bowl champions. If anyone has been paying attention, they had an extremely, extremely good offseason. And they're they've got an improved roster. As we've seen, Miami's looking like Tannehill, their starting quarterback, might go down. The Bills will be The Bills will be competitive. The Jets will not, even though the Jets have been making strides. But overall, I just do not I really can't make a, a case for any other team in this division to challenge the Patriots with good confidence. And I feel the same way about the NFC West. Seattle is talent-wise on paper. They are by far the best team, even before they made their offseason acquis- acquisitions. Like I said, you saw where they picked up Eddie Lacey at running back. That was an, that was an area for concern Their defense is going to be stout, as always. They have one of the best coaches in the game. They have, in my mind, an underrated quarterback. And if you're listening to my episode last time, I had Russell Wilson in my top five quarterbacks in the entire entire league. So there's definitely that. They have that going for them. They really started to figure out how to use Jimmy Graham towards the end of last year at that tight end spot. Again, I just don't see anyone in this division challenging them. I like Kyle Shanahan. I like the hiring of Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I would love to see where that goes. I also thought San Francisco had an excellent draft, but unfortunately, they are at least a year or two away from truly competing, in my opinion. The Rams, same thing. They're still breaking in Jared Goff, they're still figuring out how to get weapons around him. They have a, a, a good, not great defense. Again, they'll be better than last year, but I would not be expecting too much from them. And then the only other team we have is the Cardinals. I'm a little bit jaded with the Cardinals because I picked them to to not only go, but win. They were my pick to win the Super Bowl last year, and they completely let me down. So I am going to... And I don't see a... I do think they had a little bit of bad luck but I don't see a reason to think that they will win more than possibly 8 or 9 games and I think it's pretty much a shoe in that the Seahawks are going to be in there. You can pencil them in almost just about ink them in for double digit wins this season. So, I have got to go with I've got to go with Seattle and New England there at the very top. Those are the only two divisions where I feel like we don't need to have too much of a discussion. Now, moving on to the to the two-team race divisions. Again, these are the ones where there should be a favorite in each one, but there's another team that can seriously challenge. Starting with... I'm going to start with the ASC North, which was tough. This one came down to the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers in, and for me. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I almost always go with just about every single year. And... To be honest, I don't see a reason for to not go with them again this year. Now, the, the, the thing with Pittsburgh that we've been dealing with for the last few years are injuries and suspensions to their key offensive players. If every last one of them is able to stay healthy and stay out of trouble, meaning Martavis Bryant, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, that offense can do just about anything with all those guys on the field at once. If we're missing any of them, if any of those guys are missing, it kind of takes their potency down a notch. They still don't have the best defense in the world, but it's not nearly as bad as I think people make it out to be. So, I would like to I would like to think that the Steelers can win this division, but I also have to look at the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, just another just another solid team. No, like real superstars out there, but they had a they had a very good defense last. They played very well on defense, which we're kind of used to seeing. The um the the Bengals. I I like the Bengals. I do. I I didn't I was not a big fan of their draft pick in John Ross. I thought there are some other ways they could have gone, but I still think that they will be a respectable team, but I really think this division is going to come down to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. The especially if we go and look at last year, Baltimore finished 8 and 8, Steelers finished 11 and 5. So again, the Steelers are the have to be the favorites. But I think the Ravens will challenge. The Browns. Pfft, I mean, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? I well, you know what? I'll be nice. The Browns did have a great draft. Those are one of the that was one of the teams that I thought did really well. I said it on my podcast earlier, I'm on the record. I thought the Browns actually had a very, very good draft, but Unfortunately, it is nowhere close enough for them to be competitive. Bengals are coming off a 6-9 and nine season. I don't have too much of a reason to think that they will get much better next year. So again, we're looking at the Steelers and Ravens in the AFC North. Moving on, next two-team race I see is the NFC East. I, this was another one I really struggled with. But I feel confident going with the New York Giants as my favorite to win the to win the NFC East. I really, really liked what Steve Spagnolo did with that defense in his first year back. I mean, you could see it was literally a night and day difference from the year before to last year. Literally night and day. He, they figured out how to use Landon Collins. They were getting pressure. They're creating turnovers. That defense will take them places, and they improve their offense with the addition of Brandon Marshall. So now we're looking at a three-receiver front of Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham Jr., and Brandon Marshall. That's looking dangerous. That's looking dangerous. Mm -hmm. On both sides of the ball, there's a lot of sure things on both sides of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. You, uh, But my other challenger has to be the Dallas Cowboys. They were the division winners from the year before. Again, the Giants were the only team to beat them but in that division. But Dallas, to me, I feel like they did so well last year that they just seemed primed for a little bit of regression. They will still be a very good team. But I feel like they were primed for just just a tad bit of regression there. So they're going to finish just behind the Giants. The Redskins and the Eagles, they'll, they'll win their games, but I really cannot make a case for either of them actually winning the whole thing. Next up, we got the NFC South, home to my beloved Buccaneers, who I actually think will contend, but are not my favorites. That distinction would have to go again to the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons... Are, were last year's division winners. They made serious improvements on defense. Their offense, as we know, no need, to, no need to expect any changes there. I will say I'm interested to see what happens to that offense without Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. I thought I really like what Shanahan did, figuring out how to spread the ball around get everyone touches and just keep that offense operating at maximum efficiency. Atlanta's offense was really potent, but I believe they'll be in a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. And But I do think on paper they still have the best team. And of the four, they have the easiest schedule in the division with the Buccaneers right behind them. Unfortunately, every time... I have such a hard... I hate... Picking, I hate predicting where my team is going to finish because every time I have high expectations for my team, they end up underachieving. So I have to, and I don't want to jump the gun and say that we're going to go from a non-playoff team at nine and seven to winning the division, which will more than likely take 11 or 12 games. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Do I think we would have to play at maximum? I think we would have to play pretty we would have to we would have to, a lot of things would have to go right for the Buccaneers to finish at 11 or 12 wins, which I think is what it's going to take honestly for us to win this division. So, I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger on that yet, but I do think this is the year that you have to take Tampa Bay seriously. The Saints still have a horrid defense. I like their offense. There's no reason to believe that their offense will not be elite once again. But I feel like that defense will continue to kill them, especially in a division where you're looking at four, when you have to face three other top-flight quarterbacks twice a year. Then you, I liked, I did like the addition of Adrian Peterson, but as often as they pass, I don't know how, if they're really going to use him, like how we've seen Adrian Peterson being used in the past, so I don't know how much that's actually going to affect their offense. I think it'll make it more balanced but more potent. I'm not sure. Drew Brees by himself pretty much passing every play is still able to get it done. But it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Don't like that defense, though. And then we have the Panthers, who are two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, one year removed from a last-place finish in the division. Um, I like what they did. I like what they did. In the offseason. I like some of their pickups, you know Julius Peppers and Christian McCaffrey, where I'm seeing a huge hole is on their offensive line once again. Uh, my, my understanding is they they've let go of my, both Michael Orr and Mike Remmers on that left side, which is the most important spot on the field. Cam Newton's coming off surgery, he, Cam Newton's coming off sol- shoulder surgery not sure how long it's going to take him to get back up to speed and i can sense that this and i get the sense that this year they're not going to try to have cam run as much as he had has in the past given the fact that you know he's finally starting to look like you know he's i know he does the superman thing but he's starting to not look so super with these injuries that that have been piling up and a, and, a, and injuries can derail a quarterback's career very quickly. And if you notice with these running quarterbacks, it never la- they're never the running never lasts but so long. It just doesn't. You get you get hit really good once or twice, you cut that stuff out cuz you want to prolong your career. And I think Cam is a very good quarterback, but their but their picks of their draft picks of Curtis Samuel and McCaffrey, to me, seemed to indicate a change in philosophy on offense. What that change is, I'm really not sure. They've also got this situation with firing their GM, bringing in Marty Herney, firing David Gettleman. Not sure how that's going to go into their personnel decisions in the future. I don't, know. I don't think that's going to affect their on-field performance too much. But I don't have a re—I don't have a good reason to believe that the Panthers can win the division. I just—I just don't. I see the top two teams making significant improvement. I, I see the top two teams from last year in that division making significant improvements, and coming out with the two easiest schedules amongst everyone in the division. I really have no reason to believe that we won't see that again. Now. Moving on, I I was kind of had to spend a lot, my team's in the NFC South, so I had to spend a little bit of time on that one. Uh, the last, last division in this two-team category, the NFC North. I was really close to putting them in the easy pick category with Green Bay as my favorite. But the more I thought about it, the more I said, don't sleep on Minnesota. The Minnesota Vikings, now let's not forget, this is the same Minnesota Vikings team that started off on a roll last year, that started off winning their first five games. So let's not forget about that. This is a very good Vikings team that just seemed like everyone else kind of caught up to them. Now again, again, they did finish the season 8-8, third in their division, I recognize that. But... I think Dalvin Cook will be a breath of fresh air on offense. I think I think Sam Bradford, whether they go, whether they end up with I don't know what the status of Teddy Bridgewater is right now. I haven't seen much of it in the news. But I don't think I think Sam Bradford can get the job done in the meantime. That defense is going to be elite. So let's not discount the Vikings. Two years ago, I picked them to win the division, and they proved me right. So I feel like we cannot sleep on them. The Lions are just another team that we're. I just. I don't know. I, I'd like to see them go. I'd like seeing them go 9-7. and seven. I mean, let's. They were on the outskirts of the playoffs last year. But I do think. I, do, I just don't think they are a better team. I don't think they're a better team than the Vikings. I just, I, 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 I'm just, not really buying that going into this season. Although Detroit might prove me wrong again. Detroit might prove me wrong again. But the Packers are my favorites, and they pretty much should be just about every year. As long as they have Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be one of the favorites. Pretty much every year they're in the NFC North, unfortunately. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on if you're a fan or not a fan, uh, Aaron. Unfortunately, that's what having a franchise quarterback allows you to do is to be is to allow yourself to have high expectations year in and year out. Aaron Rodgers just affords you that luxury. The Bears, and I'm on the record talking about the Bears. They will. They had a god awful draft. They. They, they paid my Buccaneers' long-time backup, Mike Glennon. They gave him $45 million to come in and be the starter, which I thought was a complete ripoff. And I think Bears fans will realize that fairly quickly. I, I like I like Mike Glennon. I thought Mike Glennon was a good guy, and I honestly want him to do well. I just don't think anyone should expect that much of him. And then they turned around and drafted Trubisky right after him, meaning the leash will be very short. And I don't think that is a formula for winning. When you have one guy that you know is temporary and another guy waiting in the wings, that's pretty much a dead giveaway that you're not prepared to necessarily contend this season. So unfortunately, unfortunately, Bears fans, this is not going to be your year. Now that should cover all of my two-team races, and I believe it does. Yes, it does. We're down to two more divisions. So if you're paying attention, you've probably knocked it down the process of elimination by now. But, my two wide-open divisions, both hailing from the AFC, the AFC West and the AFC South. Now, these are two... They're wide-open for two polar opposite reasons. The AFC West I feel like is stacked with, I feel like the AFC West is going to be competitive in a good way. They have two very, very good teams, the Chiefs and the Raiders. Both of them are coming off 12 win seasons. Raiders really, really winning. The Raiders really got stuck themselves when Derek Carr went down, but I'm anticipating him coming back. I love the offseason retirement or coming out of retirement of Marshawn Lynch coming back to hometown in Oakland. I think that's just a that's just a great storyline. And the Raiders just have a great team. They have some very elite they have some elite player positional players. They were on a roll and looked like a shoe in to win that division until Carr went down. Still finished 12 and 4. Chiefs same kind of thing. Their their defense creates all kinds of turnovers. Their offense is just steady and is good at moving the ball. And they have that very balanced kind of team that can just prove to be tough to beat. I don't think we'll see them do better than 12. I think it'd be reaching to expect them to do better than that. Yeah, I would honestly even say that they're a candidate to regress slightly but I still think they have to be expected to be right in there in the mix to win the division I don't I also want to say I loved the draft them picking up Patrick Mahomes I I like Alex Smith but I am just not in the NFL, you got to have guys that can drive the ball downfield. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is. I do not think we will see him on the field this season. But if he's the kind of guy that everyone says he is, then you got to watch out. You're going to have to watch out for the Chiefs. But until that happens, this will still be very competitive. The Chargers, I love what the Chargers did to their offense. I love how they revamped their offensive line. I love how they selected Mike Williams in the draft. I think I think they are a candidate to see a drastic improvement. Not to mention the AFC if you're in the AFC West, you're at the top. You're at the top of the list of easiest schedules in the NFL. So you can expect everyone in this division to do a little bit better than they did last year. And I think the the Chargers are going to be no exception. Last but not least, we got the Denver Broncos, who are not going to have as potent of a defense as we have seen in the past. However, they have t- they have their they have their young quarterbacks between Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Still not sure which one they intend on going with long term, but I liked the I liked where they were going to start the season. Then, when Simeon got hurt and they put Lynch in, it seemed like it kind of disrupted their chemistry a little bit. But both of those guys were young guys in their first year playing in their, you know, they were both making their first starts in the NFL. You can only expect them to improve from there. The thing with the Broncos is they have everything else decent O line, decent run game, decent receivers, very good defense. They really just need a quarterback to come in and not screw up to win games. So we'll see. I think that will be a very competitive division, and that is amongst the toughest ones to call. I want to go with Oakland if I have to pick a favorite, but I really think anybody can win. I really think if, if there's a division that I would have to say is up for grabs or that anyone can win, I would say it's the AFC West, though I would like to think the Chiefs and the Raiders have to be your favorites. The last one is the AFC South, which is going to be competitive in a bad way, meaning that none of these teams are really that good. But, again, the Texans won the division last year at 9-7. and seven. So that tells you, that that should let you know about the kind of strength or lack thereof that we're looking at in this division here. The Titans have slowly and steadily improved. Every they're they're actually very similar to like how my Bucks are in the uh, NFC South. They went from terrible to visible improvement to right on the cusp of the playoffs last year when they drafted Marcus Mariota three years ago. Same time my Buccaneers grabbed Jameis Winston. The tra- their trajectories have been almost identical. I do like what the Titans are doing. I think. They have to. They're probably my favorites if I had to pick one to win. However, I loved again, and I'll say it again: Deshaun Watson to, te- to the Texans was probably one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. And you have to remember, J.J. Watt was hurt last year. He's coming back strong. The Texans cannot be ignored. Although, from what I'm seeing, either the team. The, play, the management, the players, are both want Tom Savage to be the starter over Deshaun Watson. Haven't seen Tom Savage play that much. Not sure what to expect from him. That'll be an interesting storyline to follow, but the Texans have almost everything else that you need to be successful. The Colts go will obviously go as Andrew Luck goes. I think this is the year that we either see him bounce back from injury and and really continue along the trajectory that we thought he was on his first his first 2 years or so or this is the year that we just say this guy'll never be healthy it does not seem like the Colts have done too much to improve his situation on the offensive line i will We'll have to follow that. Now, they still went 8-8, eight and eight, which would have put them right behind the other two teams last year for the division lead. And we've seen what the Colts are able to do when Andrew Luck is healthy and playing at his best. It will just be interesting to see how he, again, they are going to go as he goes, health-wise. And then the Jaguars, I understand they were 3-13 and 13 last year. They have continued to make improvements to their defense. With they added the likes of Colias Campbell, they had AJ, they get picked up AJ Bowie, Leonard Fournette at running back in the draft. They're continuing to add talent all over the place, and I really do think they are on the cusp of turning the corner at some point there's simply just too, there's simply too many good players for them to continue to be this bad and when your stiffest competition is only coming off a 9-win season anything goes i know for i know for the last few years everybody has pretty much penciled in the jaguars as a as a win when they see them on the schedule i'm i really i really don't think we're going to be able to ignore these guys too off too much longer I want to go on the record saying that now. So if we come back at the end of the year and the Jaguars are sitting at 9, 10 wins or some crazy crap like that, don't say I didn't warn y'all. But, again, these are just my predictions. Hopefully i provided you guys some insight and some good analysis. Would love to hear everyone else's thoughts on this, but that's pretty much where we're at right now. Before I get out of here... I want to... I have not forgotten. I have to hand out another L of the Week. I'm trying to remember if this is my first repeat of... This might be my first repeat offender. But the L of the Week, again, hate to keep bringing this guy up, but I have to hand this L to LeVar Ball again. I don't know... Where to. I I really don't know how I feel about this dude at this point. When he first came out, I was handing him L's for just saying crazy stuff and throwing himself out there and the way he was going about it. Then, if you guys remember, I did do an entire episode on my deeper thoughts on Big Baller Brand and really trying to understand what it is he was trying to do. And I gave him credit. And then I started to really like the guy and understand who he's coming from. Uh, Then last week, I'm seeing that he pulled his team off the floor in the middle of the AAU tournament, just completely pulled his team off the floor, walked off the court, took his ball, and went home, essentially, and forfeited the game because he didn't like the way the game was being officiated. Then I'm seeing that he attacked a female referee, not physically, but just talking about her not being in shape and bringing up the fact that she was a woman and all of this other stuff. And I'm handing him an L because, one, I played AU basketball. It's not about you in that setting. It's not about you. It's about those kids, Some of them kids are not going to be good enough to play in college. Some of these kids, you know, they're sophomores and juniors. You know, because you don't play AU ball as a after your senior year. You're as a rising. You're the year after your junior year is the last time you get to play. So these guys are on. Some of these guys are on their last year or so that they're going to be able to play ball. They're going to be able to play summer ball. So. You can't. They're on You can't take that away from. I feel like you're taking that away from them. When you do what you, when you do what you do, or you did what I saw when you forfeit the game. There, have been so many games some of these kids are gonna have. Some of them aren't gonna play in college. You have to be conscious of that. Some of these kids might have might have scouts coming to watch them that you don't know about. You have to take that into consideration. And honestly, how does it? What's what's the message you're sending, and how does it make your team look? That you would just walk off the court in the, in the middle of a game? No good comes from that. I understand you're trying to make a point, but I, I'm sorry, I just I can't find any real justification for doing such a thing. Then when he's going at this ref, this female ref, the more. I saw some I saw a lot of people calling LeVar a misogynist and saying he hates women and all this other stuff and I thought it was a little extreme. And then I thought about it. I thought about the time I thought about the time he went on Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd, on Fox. I don't know if you guys remember the uh young lady female co host that Colin has, uh Christine Leahy, I think is how you say her name. Um now she had, now I'm not the biggest Christine fan. Christine actually said a few things about LeVar that I seem were out of line, but when he wasn't there to defend himself. And if you guys, if, if, I don't know if you guys remember, if you don't, you can look it up. LeVar came on the show and confronted Christine um, indirectly. He was in the studio, but he basically spent the whole time turning his back on her and wouldn't address her the whole time. And, the, and at first, I remember thinking, you know what? She talked bad about him, so he came on there and said, I'm not talking to you. And I didn't have much of a problem with it at first. But then I drew the connection between what I saw then and what I'm seeing with this female referee. And, I remember, and the first thing he's bringing up is, well, she's a female, so she's trying to make a point. And whether he was correct or not, here's what I noticed. There are a lot of there are a lot of men. I'm sure he's been I'm sure he's been in games with male referees and not felt and that have made bad calls and not felt the need to go off on them like that. Excuse me. There are male talking heads. There are there are other male analysts and guys on tv that talk about him all the time he doesn't come on there he doesn't do them like he did christine when it's another man he comes in there respectfully he he states his point and you know that he's able to he's able to talk it out in an adult manner but when it's a woman up there now it's i gotta turn my back i gotta tell you to stay in your lane and i gotta be like i ain't addressing you and all of this other stuff. You don't come at men like that, so you shouldn't come at women like that. She deserves the exact same respect that you show to those men. She wasn't really that respectful to you when she was talking about... She, and maybe that's how you took... And maybe that's how he took it. Maybe he took her comments as more disrespectful than what some of these men do. But I see people talking about him... I see people talking about him and depending on, or people that he, that I guess he feels like is doing wrong by him. But it's, it, it appears that it appears that depending on their gender, he's coming, he's going to come at them two different ways. And I'm not the biggest fan of that. I de and like I said, I can't, I definitely can't defend him pulling his team off the floor Again, I have to hand him an L this week again because of the fact that I stuck up for this guy. I did a whole episode on him trying to paint this picture of how he can be perceived as a good guy. And then you come, come back a couple months later and do something that I can't really defend. So, that being said, LeVar is holding the L at least for the next few days. And that pretty much will conclude this episode of the Mind of Mike J podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Again, this has been the Mind of Mike J Podcast. New episodes every Monday. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. But until then, signing off. Have a good weekend.